the Doctor and Romana arrive on the planet Chlorus, where the Lady Adrasta has imprisoned a creature so she can keep hold of the power of the valuable metal of the planet. Can the Doctor communicate with the creature and set it free? This is the creature from the pit. Welcome to Regenerated. realize this must be a very frightening experience for you, but please don't be alarmed. What are you talking about? I don't know. That wasn't me talking. Doctor, what's happening? Look, I know this sounds odd. I didn't say that. You didn't say what? That's what I just said. I beg your pardon? You know what I said just now. About this being a frightening experience, but don't be alarmed. Yes. I didn't say that. You didn't? No. I was too busy being frightened and alarmed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Regenerated. My name is Matt, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful wife, Becky. You need a thesaurus. Why do I need a thesaurus? Because I don't know how many times you have to say wonderful. Well, it's just the intro, Becky. It just rolls off the tongue. Wonderful wife. Horrific husband. <laughs> well, maybe you can do the intro for next next time then. No, you're right. Okay. So this week we got the creature from the pit. Yeah, I suppose you ain't that bad. I can't really call you horrific. You're not that bad. Well... Yeah, your moments, but you're Well, <laughs> I'm going to take the high road and say, well, you are wonderful, though. Uh, there we go. See, I think we're silenced yeah, Becky for the first time. Yeah, but I know I'm awesome, so. Mm, that doesn't really work, though. Awesome wife. Well, maybe. Maybe I'll use that one for Christmas. Nah, you should see something with, like, a bit more sort of seasonal mm. aspect. Well, I'll have to think about it. Yeah. So this week we've got Creature from the Pit before we do that. So how and are we... And I will say one thing. Tingly is not a Christmas word. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was going to say, for the benefit, benefit the listeners, how are you this week? Obviously you had your COVID jab last time, Becky. So you've, I think you've got over that now. Yeah. Still getting the headaches, mm. but I'm still debatable whether I stress-related or whether I have to do with a COVID jab or both. Well, it is that time of the year, isn't it, where... It can be a bit stressful. Yeah, especially when the Christmas period's coming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of the Christmas period, we've got this one: uh, a creature from the creature from the pit. We'll have next week's, uh, which I think, uh, without looking, I think it's Nightmare of Eden. Yeah, it's not really a pit as a mine. Well, we will get into that as well as we go through it, and then obviously, then we've got the last serial. But I don't know if we will get round to that. I'm thinking that next week's, uh, the Nightmare of Eden. Is going to be the last one before Christmas, and we'll have a few, few, maybe two, three, four weeks off, maybe just to have the Christmas period. But um, and the fact your parents are here. Yes, that as well, and we're running out of weeks as well before Christmas. It's only like what mm. two and a bit I weeks know, now. I know it's absolutely crazy. It's hard to think as we're recording this anyway. Well, the, two of our two out of three of our kids have only got. Three and a half days left at school. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's it. They're off until the new year. So 
obviously we're now getting to the end of Tom thank Baker's God. run. So <laughs> thank we've... God it's not far after the new year, unlike previous years where we thought, oh well, we don't know if they're going to go back after um, January or not, and then it ended up being not till March. Mm. So at least we know they're going to go back on the 4th of January. Well, it's a bit more normality now than what we have had with Christmas. I don't so know. It's going to be closer to Apparently a normal Christmas than ever. riddled with scarlet fever at the moment. Well, that's a little thing that's affecting the UK as we as we record this. I don't think it's too much to worry about at the minute, to be honest, Becky. Well, so we're not on the levels of COVID, COVID, which completely shut down Christmas for like the last three years or whatever. So... Well, no, that was more your paranoia. Anyway, let's move on to The Creature of the Pits because I... I'm going to say this one might not be that long an episode. We'll have to see what happens when we get into it. So, 27th of October to the 7th of November, 79. So, we're getting to the very end of the 70s now and going into the 80s. So, it's not very long. How long have we got left of Tom Baker? Not very many. Um, at, off the top of my head, without really looking, or we'll go through this in a couple of episodes' time for the well, next what year last does he season. Sort of finish? I think it is next year. I think it will be the next year, nineteen eighty, um, because we've only got two serials so left why after this did one. Did I buy you a Tom Baker outfit for my thirtieth birthday? I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe because he's our favourite Doctor. Yeah, but it was supposed to be an eighties thing. Well, he is in the eighties. He's just in nineteen eighty. Well, although saying that I'm only just an '80s baby, I was born on so the I'm second. Thinking, I was born on the second half of the last year of the '80s. If I was ta- if I was to take a stab in the dark, I'd say we've got about seven serials left. If I'm sort of guessing there, mm. well, Tom Baker left, so not very many. So sort of a month and a half mm. uh, into the new year, maybe just by the end of February, we'll be off Tom Baker. It's been a long run. Very long run. True. Anyway, so this one was written by David Fisher, and he has done The Stones of Blood, The Androids of Terror, and this one, The Creature from the Pit. But I think he was also, I think we were talking about this last week, he was actually that pseudonym for the last... Pseudonym. Yeah, that's sort of come out a bit wrong. <laughs> pseudonym. Um, I thought we'd, uh, oh, I thought we wouldn't notice that, we'd just move on. But okay, we'll, we'll rewind and say, yes, I made it. One of my very... And there's going to be a few more. Um, common. Yeah, there's going to be a few Come more, I think, in this this uh, this episode as well, because there's a few words that I'm sort of looking at and I'm thinking, oh, how do you say that? Anyway, um, he was the pseudonym in last week's David Agnew for the City of Death. So kind of, you could say he did that one. And uh, this one was directed by Christopher Barry, who did the Daleks, episodes one, two, four and five, the rescue, the Romans, the savages, the power of the Daleks, the Daemons, the mutants, robot, the brain of Morbius, and this is his very last Why is serial. Why there a lot of people called Christopher Barry? Well, there's only two. What? There's the director for Doctor Who, Christopher Barry, and then there's the Christopher Barry who played Rimmer at a Red Dwarf. Yeah, but and I the British Empire. I actually knew someone who went to school called Christopher Barry. Complete different, you well, know. Maybe it's just a common no. surname and a common first name. Yeah. And not a very common first name. I knew one person called Barry. Mm. Uh, this one was four episodes, uh, and I think we'll say what it was in the poll. It's going to be no surprise. I don't think um, it came in at number two hundred and eleven. So right down near to the tail end of the 241. So um, we'll go through the synopsis, I think, as well. This is where I'm going to butcher some of the words. It says the fourth Doctor and Romana receive a distress call and arrive on... It's like Chloris, isn't it? I think it's yeah. how you pronounce it. Chloris is a lush and 
vibrant world with only small quantities of metals, all of which are controlled by its ruler, Lady Astria. Astria keeps order with the, whom, the aid of the huntsman and his wolf weeds, mobile bo- balls of vegetation, and a band of thieves led by Torvin organize raids on her palace to steal whatever metal they can, but in the minds of Cl- Calora. What was that? I thought it was Estrada. Estrada, is it? Why'd you spell it? A D R A S T A. A dra. A dras. No, I can't say it. Anyway, in the minds Adrasta. of. Adrasta. That's it. In the minds of Chlorus is something huge, a creature thrown into the pit to be forgotten, and the doctor is about to join him. It's kind of a bit all over the place, that's not. I think reading it, it does kind of say what the story is in a nutshell, but it kind of doesn't. So, as always, Becky. What did you think of the creature from the pit? One, it looked like... I knew you. I know what you're going to say, and we'll go straight in there with that. So, the creature from the pit. We actually which, don't know what I'm going to say. Well, I think I was going to guess what you were going to say. Um, I was going to cut one, it off before you lower the tone of this podcast. Actually, I was going to say it looks like sort of a cheap cut-off of the blob. Well, they are. the creature two. is called a tie... Onion. That's. I'll just get that in there, so we're not calling it the creature all the time. Um. And that's kind. That's kind of weird because. Error two, I think, is his name as well as the name of the creature. Errato. Yes. Well, we'll just call him um, the Tythonian because I can say that. But the thing is, that what kind of got me was. It looked like. What one of the previous episodes we've watched. Where we've had like them people who are in the water, and they had them really dodgy costumes that were sort of mirrored effect. Mm. And was this a black and white one? I really can't remember. I, think I can't remember. It, I can't remember if it was. I think it was. Trouton. What were they saying? They're in the in the water back. Yeah, it's a bit vague. I think it was probably Trouton. Um <laughs> Yes, I think you're right. I think it's probably uh, the underwater menace. Uh, I guess that's what I'm thinking. Um, they were sort of like. In them stupid silvery outfits, and they look so reflective but so dodgy. That just seeing the outside of the creature that just reminded me that that just came streaming back. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh my god, it's you know, like the 60s costuming or it takes over yeah, again. I think, and then <laughs> basically. The, then the whole phallic, like, com- oh, we knew weird that, that was piece coming. Yes. That just, <sighs> uh, yeah, I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit evident from. <laughs> but this way, anyone who over the age of twelve would know. Oh, saying that actually, probably over ten would know what that looked like. Mm. And I think it's it's <laughs> it just rather, rather pornographic. I think it's quick to say that the the budget for this one was very low. It's, it's very evident. It's um, like it can have that, but so, it can't yes. have like a mouth or you know actual legs. So the Tythonian, which is the creature that Becky's referring to, does look like a green um, blob. I was going to keep it, try and keep it PC, I suppose. Uh, I was going to say it looks Blob like a, a, a kind of a penis. A Let's just say it looks like a penis. And I was going to say a blob with a phallic instrument, but, you know, same thing. It looks very rude, shall we say. Um, and it looks very cheaply made as well. It just looks like a cloth spray-painted green. Um, 
and then uh, basically, basically it really a lot of these like sequins thrown at it yeah yeah so the Tythonium, which is the creature that glitter lives glue. in the mines or the pit so it basically basically came didn't it Maybe, maybe it was done on Blue Peter and they just threw a ton of glitter there. Maybe. It. Maybe it does look like something that you could easily make in a workshop very quickly. Or uh, easily on Blue Peter. And reflects the budgetary, budgetary constraints of this cereal. You know, it, when, it so, came, when it came on, I was just t- so tempted to say, oh, here's what I made earlier. So the story behind the Tythonian is basically it came for, it was a diplomatic mission, I think it was, to sort of negotiate with these people on this yeah, planet. Trade mission. And they basically imprisoned it. Uh, Astra, what's her name? Adrasta, Adrasta, Adrasta. She pr- imprisoned it, um, and f- kept it. Was it fifteen years? I think they said yeah. fifteen years. Kept it starved because at the very end it says it hadn't had a good meal for fifteen years. So that's basically uh, the story in a kind of nutshell. Because Adrasta likes, she's looking to control all the metal because metal is very. Uh, it's a, it's, yes, it's a valuable commodity. She wants to control it. If uh, the Tythonian got its request, it can produce metal, as f- what I could tell, because in the end yeah. it produces aluminium. But it's also got like abundance of metal from where it comes from as well. So obviously, metal wouldn't be the most like the expensive commodity that it is. So she obviously can't allow that because she wants the power, the control. So she locked it up. So that's what happened. So in the yeah. be- in the very beginning, we get this sort of and like... obviously they wanted a trade agreement because their planet was running out of chlorophyll, which they need to survive on. Which is basically to do all plants and vegetation, which is what this planet is basically made of. Yeah. It's just a massive jungle. Uh the budget you could say is about the budget constraints. I will say, I wouldn't say it's a jungle, I'd say it's more like foresty than a jungle. Well, I was going to say that even though it does Climate's look different. it does look very cheaply made, that jungle set that they use, or forest set, or whatever you want to say, is a very good set. Yeah. It was absolutely brilliant. That was the one thing that I will say was really good in this serial. Um, I will go out there. I said last week I, I was going to be, I was going, oh god, I'll go watch this one again. My memory is this one that that great. But I will throw it in there and say, actually, upon watching it again for like I think a third time now, this is actually it's not actually as bad as what I remembered. Mm. So anyway, we start off with that jungle where uh, a man is thrown down into the pit. Obviously, he's done wrong, and they basically, like all savage races, um, they kind of sentence people to die, and they do it in a different sort of variety of different ways. And Doctor Who, and this time it's throwing so it into of, a pit. So instead of basically. Indiana Jones and the Snakes is, hmm. you know, being thrown to a great big green blob. Yeah, with a phallus. Which 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 squashes you. Oh well, yeah, which squashes you or basically pokes you about hmm. with its weirdness. Yeah. So in the TARDIS, the Doctor is being read a story. What was the story, Becky? Peter Rabbit. Yes, Peter Rabbit. And also, I noticed that K9 was voiced by a different person this time. It wasn't I John Leeson. Oh, one, just me. Yes, it's voiced by a different person now, not John Leeson. It was Aww. David Briley, who's now doing the voice. I don't know if I that's going on that, or not. That just was really weird. Cause it, I was like, it sounded very off-tone to me. It didn't sound like... That does sound normal. It didn't sound right. And I was going to ask, I was going to say, you know, um, is it changed or is it just me? But then I was like, yeah, but... 
you'd probably turn around and say, well, that changed ages ago. You know? No, so... I, I think this is the first time we've seen the rebuilt K9. I suppose you could say because they had to rebuild K9, that's probably the reason why his voice could be different. It's like a different circuit mode or whatever. Uh, so they could explain it that way, I suppose. But it's not John Leeson. So to me, it's not really the voice of K9. It doesn't really sound right to me. Anyway, so Romana walks into the TARDIS carrying this or sort of dragging this big box of what she refers to as junk. When she looks through it, she finds an emergency transceiver, which she then plugs into the TARDIS, which the doctor says it's basically like uh, sort of. Broken. Fetch, so fetch and chase missions from the Time Lords is basically yeah. a way to sort of uh, explain it. Uh, they put and it he in. Was fed up doing them. Yeah, he puts it. In, uh, Romana puts it into the console, and then they end up on this planet where obviously it's a massive jungle. Uh, there's a massive eggshell, which the Doctor's sort of. There's a bit of comedy in this one, very much so. A lot of comedy, uh, and I would say that another thing uh, apart from the sets is actually Tom Baker's acting in this one. I know very that's, good. that's the thing. It's like. Every now and again, you know, you get kind of a bit bored of it. And then the next minute, he basically just throws a bit of the comedic side out there. And, you know. And he also acts it as well. I well, think. That's the thing. That's like, you know. He brought my interest into this one. And I think he was yeah. the saving the saving light. Yeah. I think it's, of it's this, kind of like this serial. Stuff that reminds you from where, you know, um, brings back from when he started as the Doctor. And. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, you know, that's things like that, you know, kind of make me laugh because, you know, I like that sort of acting. I don't like this whole, you know, trying to just, you know, be a black and white sort of person, you know, where it's like, you know, no sarcasm, no wit, no, you know, it's, oh, and so the fact of, you know, having that wittiness yeah. and the sarcastic persona you know, mm. much like myself, it's kind of, you know, refreshing. Yeah, it definitely showed. It, oh, yeah, It definitely. showed me, and it showed me that Tom Baker, it, how good he is. Oh, yeah, definitely. And to be the doctor, you have to have that eccentricity, mm. you you know, because if you're following people like William Hartnell, Patrick Trout and Sylvester McCoy, you know, you have got, you know, or... Well, I would say Sylvester McCoy, I mean, John Pertwee, my brain's gone already. We haven't got up to Sylvester McCoy yet, so. It's just <laughs> that's because I was talking to my mother about that the other day. Mm. But the point is, it's just like, you know, with all those, you've got, obviously, John Pertwee's very flamboyant and eccentric. You know, you've got little Patrick Troughton's little eccentricities and William Hartnell's eccentricities, you know, sort of like the funny grumpy grandpa sort of thing. And... Mm. But then Patrick Troughton used to re remind me of um, an art lecture I had. Well, I think now that Tom Baker's definitely, he's cemented mm. his place as a doctor now. He knows the character inside and out. And it really shows in this one. He can each, he can tell, he can turn a mundane story into yeah. a really good one that actually keeps I you gripped. I, I and I was gripped by really, it. Because I think if his hair was a bit straighter and a bit longer mm. and he wore glasses, he would remind me of a, of a psychology lecturer I had. Yeah. Yes. It, so it, it, it was a bit nanas and all. Yeah. Anyway. So the doctors obviously look at this eggshell and then we get introduced to the wolf weeds that attack the doctor and sort of Why just sort of swarm him. Weeds? Well, I don't know. They're just called wolf weeds. It's just the way it is, it but they have a huntsman with a whip that controls them. Maybe because they go in packs. 
Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Anyway, the Doctor and Romana are captured by Adrasta's uh, like sort of crew, as it were, and the Doctor is placed in um, some stocks, which I thought was quite an interesting premise. Why would you put him in stocks and not Romana? Well, especially when I spent, right. you know, I was like, well, what are they trying to do? Bring it back to medieval times? Mm, I don't know. You it's know. just a bit strange why you'd put one in, not the other. Anyway, they're marched mm. to like the, the palace castle of Adrasta and they're followed by the bandits who end up ambushing and kidnapping Romana who is taken to the bandit camp, which she sort of uh, asserts her dominance, I thought, quite funnily onto the bandits yeah. and she sort of tells them what to do and they sort of obey her and then they're obviously fascinated by metal and they find the canine uh, dog whistle and they blow it and then obviously that introduces canine into the story. So it's the first time for a while that canine's been in the story as actually a character instead of being in bits or not really working very well, you know. So Or just playing chess. (laughs) So, yeah. So um, the Doctor ends up basically on back to Adrasta's castle where he is basically sentenced to die by the pit. Oh, no. Uh, no, the engineers. That's right. The engineers come in. They don't know much about this eggshell. The doctor do. Because the doctor knows more, they sentence the engineer to die and then they take him to the pit and this is where um, Romana with canines sort of stumbles upon them and the doctor decides to escape by jumping down into the pit where in episode two we find out he hasn't gone all the way. He's kind of clinging on to the the, uh, the sort of edge where he's trying to get them sort of like um, like mountain climbers sort of yeah. like sort of hook things sort into the picks. yeah into the wall to try and sort of hook his scarf in and that and there's a quite funny moment here where he gets a book out which is basically must be like mountain climbing for dummies or whatever but he's like says there's a joke here where he says oh, it's in Tibetan so he gets another book out which is learn Tibetan so it's like he's got two books and he's trying to learn it's, it's quite a funny little comedic moment um the doctor, yeah, because you can just learn Tibetan hanging off a scarf, yeah. Yeah, so then we're, uh, the Doctor obviously ends up falling down into the pit where he is then introduced well, no, it's to... it's more of a fact of she kicks dirt at him. Yeah, and then he falls. And he falls. Yeah, and then we're introduced to Organ, Organon, who reminded me very much of William Hartnell. The way he speaks, you could close your eyes and you could hear. And also, while we're on the subject of William Hartnell, this is what I thought was, I don't know if it's done on purpose, it's clever, or it's just one of them coincidence things that Tom Baker did that he didn't, he wasn't aware of it. But he puts the little ums in, just like uh, William Hartnell did. He used to do that sort of, I'll be going, Mm. sort of thing. And if you listen to Tom Baker in this one, he does that quite a bit. And I thought that was quite interesting how really he did notice. it. Well, yeah, I did notice that sort of thing. It was because I'm now watching season two box set of the Blu-ray. So I'm getting to see William Hartnell a little bit more now. So I'm sort of seeing that mannerism. And I can yeah. see that Tom Baker put that in there. And I don't know if that is coincidental or that's just part of, part of it. I don't really know. But anyway, we find out that this obviously this creature is a, a creature, a Tythonian with basically it's like a huge brain and that it's in a mine. Um, and then basically... It's not really too much more to the story after that because we get the Doctor trying to um, communicate with it. But there is a little device that Adrasta's got in her castle, which the bandits, they ambush the castle while everyone's near the pit. 
nicks all the metal, they nick this thing, it hypnotizes them, and then they take it into the mine to place it on this Tythonium so that it can speak. And it's a very clever way of speaking, I would say. This is a nice little plot point where they have to touch it and it uses the larynx of that person to speak and communicate. I thought it was quite an interesting little premise, that. But it's a bit rubbish how you conversation that you have to let go and then you speak and then you have to put your hand on it to speak and it's it, it can be a little bit muffled yeah, but what if you so, try to speak when that's well that's it now? well i don't know i wouldn't have thought it works that's why i think the doctor gets romana to hold it while he speaks to the tythonian mm. so anyway so it has a really weird sort of semi-ending to me as well because obviously we get this thing where we find out the plot which is you know Tythonian come to this planet to do a trade green, agreement at Drasta locked it up because of the control and that and then the basically um they want to the doctor wants to trade like to to re-invoke the trade agreement but without a Drasta so the huntsman he kind of sees sense and he kind of sets his wolf weeds I think onto Adrasta, and then the blob comes in and basically crushes her. I think that's basically how and it ends, isn't it? Wolfweed. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, because the creature then eats the wolf weeds that are on her. Mm. I think that's how it works, uh, and that's the beginning of episode four. So we get rid of the villain really, really quickly, which I thought was interesting because normally you wait until the very end to get rid of the, the villain, but this time we actually got rid of her really quickly because there's like a second thing where. Um, the Tythonian sort of announces that basically because of this, it's been locked up, that they've sent a neutron star, which is, did they say an imploding star, is it? In, they were going to send a, yeah. a, a sort of dying star, basically, into the sun of the solar system around this planet. Then obviously it would be like... Um, supernova. So, so, yeah, supernova. So obviously you can't have that happen. So the Doctor basically lets Typhonian goes back to his egg, forms the ship, flies up into space. The TARDIS then, once again, controlled, which I think, that again, that randomizer thing is, they need to get rid of it now and say they got rid of it because they're not really using it. This is the second time in a row that that randomizer has been switched off so the Doctor can control his TARDIS. He then materializes into space. They're sort of trying to use this sort of, in the terms of Star Trek, they kind of try to use like a tractor beam to hold, I think, the neutron star in place. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, because Why... um, the blob was getting, I think the egg thing was getting pulled into it. Yeah, into and the, his gravity, so he was supposed to be... And the Typhonium was basically going to put a massive big web of aluminium around that neutron star to sort of neutralise it. So he had to kind of keep it still, but obviously because of the um, the gravitational pull, I'm thinking, yeah. it's pulling in the Typhonium, but... Which is why it's a huge yeah. attraction. And then there's obviously a last-minute thing, because obviously we have to get the, the heart racing at the very end. The Doctor's TARDIS is then stuck in the path, and they have to dematerialise really quickly, but there's like a little explosion in the console, just to add the drama, but in the very sp split second before it sort of crashes through where the TARDIS would have been, it dematerialises out of the way. And then we get a last little bit where um, the Doctor materialises the TARDIS back on the uh, planet where there's or organ what is that organon isn't it organon yeah. where organon is and uh let's have a look to see the doctor's last act is to push is to push organon now one of the de facto rulers towards a mutually beneficial trade agreement with the typhonians 
that's the end of it. So, um, organizer was Jeffrey Bailsden or Bailden. I think that's why he pronounced it. Uh, so very reminiscent of William Hartnell. So yeah, let's say that is the creature from the pit. In the end, I don't think it was too bad. I yeah. think it was a lot better than what I actually gave it credit last week. So yeah, I want to apologise to the story. I think it, it, on second watch or third watch, it was definitely a lot better um, than what I thought it was. I think the pacing was quite good. I think with these four store, these four episode stories, the pacing is quite good and they quite mm. flow. It does flow quite a bit. Yeah, I can actually remember you watching this one. Well, yes. Because, um, no, I mean, because you know for a while, you, you know, when you've been watching them, when you've got the Blu-ray box sets and things like that, and yep. you've had a habit of watching them and I've ended up being asleep or I've woke up and seen brief glimpses here and there before I fell back to sleep. Well, there was kind of a bit in this where it was, um, where they were talking to it. Mm. And they were putting their hands on the larynx yep. um, to use the larynx and everything to talk. And that was the bit that I actually remembered. Yes. So I can't can't remember none of the rest of it. It was just that bit. Mm. So uh, a little bit of st- uh, story trivia. Uh, this was the first story of season 17 to be produced, though it's the third to be broadcast. This basically makes it the first story produced with Layla Ward as Romana. So this is her first acting um, or first portrayal as Romana. So it's a bit interesting. I do th- it's quite interesting how you would think there might be a little bit of hesitancy with the character or there might be not the nuances that there were in a couple of serials ago or something like that. But it doesn't, to me, it's, she portrays it the same. It's portrayed the same as what she's, you know, done it in the last two. So she kind of had that character done, you know, yeah, uh, sort of nailed, shall we say? So, and also this is like I said, David Burley. He did the uh, the voice of K Nine replacing John Leeson. So it kind of makes sense, I suppose, why he would do this from day one. Um, so yeah, I I actually really quite liked this one, to be honest. I didn't think it was as bad as what I thought it was. Obviously, it's not it's not a brilliant. It's not the best serial we've seen of Tom Baker. You know, it's it, it's kind of like a sort of. Um, a middle card, I would say, but let's have a look at Mark Campbell's episode guide verdict because they're always fun and interesting. It says the film jungle sequences are wonderful, which they are. We will admit that. But the story loses any gravitas the moment we see the phallic creature itself. <laughs> I kind of agree with him there. I think <laughs> it's it's fine having a bit of a mystery. But once you see that, it kind of really sort of you see with the budget you know, the budget constraints. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's definitely. basically like a guy in a duvet, you know. A guy in a glowing duvet. Anyway, so Jeffrey Bale. Oh, another one. What's Ark that? in space with the, like, green caterpillar thingies. Yes, the, the, the Wirram. The Wirram, isn't it? Yeah, yes. sleeping bags. So uh, Jeffrey Bailden turns in an acutely unfunny performance. Was he trying to be funny? I don't know. While the excellent Maya Francis is killed off far too soon. Um, Maya Francis obviously was a draster. Killed off too soon. She did three and a bit episodes. Hmm. If you're going to kill him off, you're going to kill him off in that last episode. So I don't know. Anyway, yeah. he gave it a lowly three out of ten. 
That's poor. So yeah, it is a bit poor. I don't think it's a three no, out of ten. I would say it's a middle card. To be fair, I'd say it's a seven. You liked it. A seven. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I'd say it's a six or a five to a, I, I, a I high five to six. better than last week. Well, see, that's what I mean about... That's what I like about the sort of... Uh, the... What's the word? The um, subjective yeah. nature of Doctor Who is that you love it or you hate it. You know, you like this one or you hate that one. You know, it's a, you like that one. Whereas last week's... I liked last week's City of Death. I thought it was one of my favourites. It's a bit boring. Whereas you're saying it's a bit boring. So that's it's interesting. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. But I do think that it's funny how this... That's the thing. It's just... It's got to engage you and mm. it's got to pull you in. And, yeah. you know... And I think Tom Baker's, fair, like we said, Tom Baker's performance really pulls you in in this one. Yeah, and last week's just didn't. Also, for me, me, also for me, Romana, Dams in Distress, not really so much. Like, she really sort of dominated the the bandits quite early on and mm. said, no, I'm not having that. And that, I thought that was a really nice little twist to the companion role. Mm. Uh, obviously, it's it's obviously a Tom Baker centric Doctor Who story because he then goes down the pit. He then engages with the creature. He's then dealing with that side of it while Romana's kind of not really doing too much. He's kind of on the sidelines. Uh, apart but, from getting shouted at by a Drasta. Yeah, so th- that for me, she's kind of an afterthought. And but, bugging around canine. Yeah, and that as well. Very light this week. Canine was very light. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, all that circuitry and all that metal. Mm. Maybe it's aluminium. <laughs> so, yes. Um, so, yeah, there's not much more to say about the creature from the pit. It is what it is, you know. Like I say, it's quite low on the, the, the pinion pole. People don't really like this one as much, uh, you know. But I think as time goes on, especially for me, I think I've found that I actually quite like this one a bit more than what I thought I did. So mm. I'm pleasantly surprised that I actually really liked it more than what I thought I would. Uh Anyway, so let us know in the comments and the social medias what you thought of this one. Is it, you know, I, I like to see if people's opinions have changed over the years. Is this one now becoming a bit of a, a bit of a, a guilty pleasure, shall we call it, of Doctor Who and Tom Baker? Next week's Nightmare of Eden, which is a four-parter. This may potentially, I'm more than likely going to say that this is going to be our last one before Christmas. I think... I got another. We're going to look to record it a couple of days after this one to get it in before we like sign off. So I'll kind of think about it. Um, the trouble is, I don't, we don't really know when we're going to have time to record over Christmas. That's the problem. We and could fit one in. Break up, it's going to be yes, it gets hard to bit, try and fit them in. It gets a bit more difficult with sort of parents have, coming you know, back and stuff like that. You yeah, know. but you know what it's like when we've tried to record them at home before. Mm. You know, it's well, not so much record. Recording's easy with them at home. It's just when we try to watch it and pay attention. Yeah, that's another they, thing as well. We've got to watch the episodes to before. They always try and argue when you're, tr- you're trying to actually mm. get into it. And it's just like... Well, yeah. I think I think we'll just go straight into it, into the definition now and say that next week... I would have loved to have done the whole season and then ended on the season before Christmas and then go mm. into the last season in January. But it's just what it is, you know. We had a bit of a... Uh, we, had, we had an off week, which, you know... We don't get paid for doing this. You know, it's not a job. It's a hobby. Mm. Um, so we kind of have to fit it in with us and life and things get in the way. So we end up having to have breaks in the middle. You know, it's just what it is. If we had a, if we had a bit of a schedule, then 
if we had a bit of a schedule, then maybe we, you know, we would have stuck to it a bit more if we were getting paid for it. But you know, it is what it is, like I say. So I think, yeah, yeah I think we'll every, do. Yeah, but everyone has Barney's, so well, yes, you know, and, and sometimes has... we're just not in the mood to do it. That's the other yeah. thing as well. So anyway, I think we'll commit to it and say next week's uh, episode is going to be the last one before Christmas. Um, so. We'll just do that last little one and then we'll go straight into season 18 straight away and not have the break. So, and then we'll go, hopefully, life, life willing, we will go through the whole lot of that and finish it. 17 days away from Christmas. And then we'll hopefully go through all of season 18 and go all the way to the end of Tom Baker. Mm -hmm. So, like I say, anyway, (laughs) that's that in the next show. (laughs) Well, like I say, I think it's five. Yeah. So it's only five, five six episodes so yeah so we'll have to see anyway i think we'll leave it there and uh i'll say goodbye say goodbye becky bye bye goodbye thanks for listening